Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Balls and Whistles, a sports podcast brought to you by Highland News and Media. I, as always, am Andrew Henderson and I'm joined by sports editor Will Clark. Will, how are you doing this week? That's how I feel, Hendo. I'm no uh, in any better humour than I was last week. Really gutted about uh, Brora Rangers losing 2-0 on Tuesday night. And it looks like they've got a mountain to climb to get back uh, to save their playoff hopes, I should say. Oh, we were hoping for a more upbeat show. Yeah, it was all looking so positive at one point, And then I say it at one point, it didn't look great from the second they conceded that first penalty. But we'll get on to Brora a little bit later on. I think we should start off positively, right? We should start off with some good news. And the main thing we have for that is Ross County's huge win last weekend away at Dundee United. Who saw that coming? Especially when you saw the Dundee United lineup. Uh, we were expecting a number of players to be rested, but they went with the same team. Yeah, it was unchanged. Absolutely ripped Aberdeen apart. And when I heard that on the radio, I really feared for them, to be honest. But uh, there was a first half blitz and Ross County were well worth their 2-0 lead, apparently. You were there, you tell me. Yeah, no, they really were. Dundee United did not turn up at all. <laughs> it's, it says something that when they took off Lawrence Shankland and Mark McNulty, they looked a million times better going forward. They just weren't at the races at all. Their focus is clearly on the Scottish Cup. We talked about that as a possibility, but I don't think we really thought that it would have that much of an impact on the game. Ross County just looked like they wanted it more. They were first to every free ball. You know, they were winning the aerial battles. Blair Spittle, I thought, had a great first half. His delivery was fantastic for the both the goals, actually. You know, they linked up really well with Michael Gardine to cross in for Jordan White to open the scoring. And then just a few minutes later, it was his corner that was nodded on by Jason Naismith and Alex Yakoviti managed to get it over the line. So, yeah, they were well worth it. They, I don't think Ross Laidle had a save to make. So the clean sheet as well is going to be a huge thing for them confidence-wise going into the last couple of weeks of the season. You have to wonder why Blair Spittle was sent out on loan during the first half of the campaign. He's a man reborn under John Hughes. I always thought he was a decent sort of midfielder, but he never really got, well, maybe got, he got a chance under Stuart Kettlewell, but... He, he obviously wasn't really valued that much as a midfielder before he's getting shipped out on loan. But I would argue that he's been uh, their best player, well, their best midfielder anyway, since John Hughes um, took over the reins at uh, Stingwall. I think he's made such a difference. He's a bit of an engine. He creates chances as well as does the duties of a defensive-minded player. And like you said on Saturday, I saw the highlights. I thought he was their best player. Michael Gardine might be a bit hard done by there. I thought he was excellent too. But yeah. it was such a positive-minded performance. And people are saying, did Dungeon United have something on their mind? That might be incredibly harsh to Ross County, who definitely had a reaction after the game against St Mirren. And it's a valuable three points. It's a shame Hamilton won as well. I didn't think they'd beat St Mirren, but maybe they were in the same boat. St Mirren were also thinking about a Scottish Cup semi-final. And uh, they'll be even more hopeful now that uh, four St Johnston players uh, won't be able to 
take part this weekend because of uh, COVID. But the one result I really didn't expect was Kilmarnock losing at Mullerwell. Kel Lafferty was a bit of an injury concern. He, he did start, but wasn't that great. Maybe Kilmarnock got a one-man team. I'm not sure about uh, Lafferty's injury situation now, but all of a sudden it's looking really positive for Ross County. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I said Dundee United had cup on their minds. County still had to take advantage of that. You know, it could have been really easy for the game to just fizzle out, become nil-nil, or even as we've seen far too often really this season, County concedes a late goal even when they've been on top. But that was never the case. They looked in control pretty much the whole way through. They really managed the second half well. Once they went 2-0 up, uh, I, I specifically remember Ian Viger screaming at Leo Hjelda to slow the game down and not be rushing to take throw-ins. So that bit of streetwiseness that we've talked about a lot for Ross County and, to be fair, for Cali Thistle over the last couple of years, that really seemed to come across. And, and they made the most of it. They got the points. And like you say, with Kilmarnock losing, it's in their own hands now. And suddenly you're looking at the league table and one result next Wednesday against Hamilton might be enough to keep them up, depending on how Kilmarnock go against St. Mirren. It's all to play for. It's all in their hands. And if we're looking for a bit of positivity, Ross County is definitely the place to go because they're almost there. Potentially, they're almost there. They're almost over the line and we might have Premiership football guaranteed in the Highlands for next season. It'd be fantastic for uh, Ross County to achieve that with a game to go. I don't like dead rubbers, but I would happily settle for a dead rubber at Fir Park on the final day of the season. Uh, and it could happen. Ross County, more than capable of beating Hamilton, but uh, Hamilton... In the split, they're playing some good football as well. Yeah, you've got to look at uh, Ross Callaghan. Um, he seems to be playing very well. And they were well worth their victory against St Mirren on a... God, I'm losing count. <laughs> it was the last weekend? Last weekend. And you've got to wonder what kind of mindset St Mirren will be in uh, next Wednesday when they play Kilmarnock. If they reach the Scottish Cup final, will they care about league position then? Will it be a reserve team that uh, they put up against Kilmarnock? Same could happen if they lose the Scottish Cup semi-final. Are they just going to play out the season thinking, oh, we've lost another Cup semi-final? But let's let's speak about Ross County again. Alex Echeviti, all of a sudden he's a goal machine. He scored against Kilmarnock. He was in the right place at the right time. And he scored against Dundee United. It was definitely over the line, by the way. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there was any confusion in the press box at the time, but TV replays certainly showed the ball crossed the line. And Jordan White grabbed another goal. I'm really pleased for Jordan White in particular because he came to Dingwall with a point to prove. Let's face it, he was dismissed at Mullerwell. Um, he ne- didn't get a chance after the first few games. But he, he's come to Ross County and he's he's found a number of goals since coming here. And he, he's proved to be a, quite a good signing, um, coming up at the right place at the right time. And I, I think I, if Ross County are going to survive in, in the Premiership, I would love to that Jordan White would be the person to do it because I think that would be a redemption for him. We both spoke with him during his time at Cali Fissel as well as Ross County. Absolutely sound boy. And it would just be great that he's the man that keeps Ross County up, in my opinion. Even if he's not the guy that scores the goal to keep Ross County up, you cannot understate the influence 
of him on this Ross County side the second half of this season. We mentioned Blair Spittle and Michael Gardine earlier. Jordan White was right up there in contention for man of the match at Tannadice. He was singled out by John Hughes after the game for particular praise. And Alex Yakoviti said it might have been the best game Jordan White has played since he came to Ross County. He, he really was brilliant, not just for taking the goal the way he did, you know, great header, <laughs> couldn't have picked his spot much better, but he led the line, he put himself about, he was really up for it. Um, and that's what Ross County are going to need the last couple of weeks. It's not always about who the better team is. It often comes down to just who wants it more. And County showed that they do really desperately want to stay in the Premiership against Dundee United, where maybe before the Kilmarnock game, that wasn't always obvious, just looking at the performances. The challenge now, like, we've kind of alluded to is that Hamilton are going to be in the exact same boat and it's the two teams facing off against each other. But in Dingwall on a Wednesday night, Hamilton will be traveling up. It's set up to be a great occasion. And I don't know, I, I would back cross County for it. I know it's not going to be easy. Like Callahan has been brilliant this season, but you know, I've got to believe, don't I? <laughs> I'm maybe oversimplifying it, but, but I've got to believe that Ross County are going to do this. Yeah. Uh, Ross Callahan will be a, a danger. Um, he's on form at the moment but you look at the performance at Dundee United there's no reason why they can't win on Wednesday night and you look at the second half performance after a dodgy first 20 minutes at Kilmarnock Ross County showed that we're well up for the fight and can get points I'm just so impressed with Michael Garden as well we're going on about Jordan White and Blair Spittle I've got to give a mention to the old guard as well. I thought uh, Michael Gardine was terrific against Dodge United. Uh, absolutely tore down that wing. He might be the club's record goal scorer, but I think now, in the last season or two, he's more of a provider than a goal scorer. I think that's fair to say. But he's shown that he can do a job. And that was never more evident than against uh, Dodge United. And he's shown that in a number of games this season. He could end up as County's player of the season, despite his advance in years. There's no reason why Ross County can't beat Hamilton on Wednesday and hopefully secure Premiership status for next season. I'd be surprised if Kilmarnock lost against St Mirren because of the impact of the Scottish Cup uh, on Saturday. But the great thing is, it's back in their hands and I didn't necessarily see it coming back into Ross County's hands after losing against St Mirren. Even if they lose, it's Kilmarnock against Hamilton on the final day of the season. So... A win against Mullerwell in the final day of the season will either keep them up or, at worst, secure a relegation playoff. But it will eliminate the need for automatic relegation. So it's great that it's back in their hands. But I think they could beat Hamilton. And it would be great because last time Hamilton came up, they won and it resulted in Stuart Cretable losing his job. So home advantage doesn't necessarily count because County have won twice at Hamilton as well. But it's going to be a blockbuster of a game. And I'm quite envious that you're covering it, and I'm not. But, uh, <laughs> hey, I'm going to Kelty tomorrow, so there we go. Swings and roundabouts. If it goes down to the last game, well, I'm sure I can let you go over a park. I think I should just say the state of play at the minute. If Ross County win and Kilmarnock lose, Ross County are 10th. They cannot finish lower than that. If Ross County win and Kilmarnock draw, because Kilmarnock have a better goal difference, County can't finish bottom, but they can still finish in the playoff. Anything other than a win for Ross County will mean it goes down to the final day, regardless of what Kilmarnock do. And thanks to Rachel Riley from Countdown for sparing some minutes of our time to explain it to us. I did that all myself, Will. How no, you didn't. It was Rachel. 
how dare you? So that's where we are with Ross County, but we also know exactly where we stand, unfortunately, with Inverness Caledonian Thistle. We knew going into the last game of the season they couldn't make the playoffs. Well, you were there to see them draw against Air. Was it a case of everybody being on their holidays already from the Inverness side of things? Well, Neil McCann picked the strongest team, which I was surprised to see, although there were substitutes towards the end uh, of some players getting their last hurrah. Uh, it was good to see Aaron Lyle in action, actually. Not, not that he did anything of note, it was just to get him getting some game time, <laughs> actually seeing him play on the pitch. Um, it was an entertaining game, 2-2, but apart from Air United, Cali Fissel, I got the impression at full time they weren't really that concerned about uh, the final scoreline. The damage had been done. I'm sure they wanted to win the game, but it was great to see Air United's dugout uh, celebrating um, survival. And me celebrating Greenwich Morton getting a relegation playoff because I think they deserve to be there. <laughs> I, I think the, the table was right, to be honest. I think you can't really begrudge Cali Fissel finishing fifth. The damage was done earlier in the season. If you go on a run of 1 1 in 13 games, you give yourself some mountain to climb. They did get back in the top four. We've got to remember that. And it was in their own hands until the draw with Dundee. But, you know, the, the form earlier in the season killed them. But hats off to Neil McCann and Billy Dawes for the job they've done. I think Neil McCann actually earned some redemption as a manager after being uh, sacked by Dundee. I think he got a bit of a bad rep afterwards, but he showed they could get the best out of the players. And let's face it, watching Cali Fissle uh, during the first half of the campaign, it wasn't great viewing. They never took any hidings, but the, you could tell there was a lack of confidence in the team. And Fair play to McCann and Dodds. They brought that back. It was too much in the end to get a playoff, but consistency is key. And that's something they're going to have to aim for next season. Well, there wasn't a playoff spot there for them, but there was a little bit of cause for celebration because the end of season awards were handed out. Will, run us down. Who got what? David Carson got the supporters player of the year. Uh, my player of the year as well, by the way. Uh, Scott Arlardyce and Nikolai Tonoff shared the Players' Player of the Year award uh, after getting the same amount of votes. Um, both those players were in my top three, I should say. And Daniel Mackay, he got a hat-trick of awards. He got uh, the Supporters' Young Player of the Year. He got the Players' Young Player of the Year. And he also got the Goal of the Season award for his goal against Ross County in the Scottish Cup third round. And Daniel Mackay, he was maybe within a shout of getting the Senior Player of the Year award, in my opinion, as well. But my top three were Nikolai Todorov third, Scott Allardyce, a very close second to David Carson being the overall winner. For me, it just came down to the impact Carson made from the transition from midfield to fullback. And it came at the same time as Cali Fissel ended their dreadful run and went on a run of seven games undefeated in the league. I think it was pivotal. I think it was a masterstroke by McCann to put him back there. Um, well deserved in my opinion and you managed to chat to him after the air game as well here's a little bit of what he had to say about winning that award it's a nice achievement for us uh, it's obviously unfortunate that they kind of kind of get into the ground but to still receive uh, the award after after them watching I suppose watching all the streams uh, it's, a, it's a big honour um, like I say I go out there and, and give everything for the club uh, and obviously they've recognised Recognising performances, uh, had a had a tough start with not not getting into the team until January February due to injury. So once the games come, I just had to had to give it me all. Uh, 
and like I say we went on a good run and, and I've achieved an award which, which I'm proud of but uh, the players have been brilliant as well so I kind of just stand here and I'd sit there and for myself I've got to say that the boys have been uh, brilliant from February really since I've been back fit. I mean, it's quite classy for him to give some credit to his teammates for the award that fans have voted for him to win. But I think it does also go to the team ethic at Cali Thistle. You know, you'd say that one of the real strengths of Carson's game is his teamwork. It's working hard and being part of that unit. So in a way, it's almost quite apt that he credited the rest of the squad with him playing so well at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I, I've highlighted Carson as the main man um, for Cali Fistler's revival in the second half of the campaign. But also, they looked like they played like a team in the second half of the season as well, which it didn't look like that in the first half of the campaign. I think that's a fair point to make. And that's all credit to McCann and Dodds again for all the work that they've done. Some people might be surprised that Carson got it simply because um, he didn't play during the first part of the campaign because he was out from injury. But the, it was just so noticeable, the impact that he made when he came back into the first team. I think players saw his performances and took inspiration from it as well. He's also a, a quite an angrier guy from last season on the fit pitch, I've got to say. If you remember that game against Rafe Rovers on the Friday night, he absolutely bullied Kai Kennedy to the point I nearly phoned Kai Kennedy's mum and said, listen, he's in a bit of trouble here. It was just, I remember just shouting and swearing at him and just, but also, you know, there was no real fouls. He just got the better of him on the pitch as well. And I thought, wow, this is what Cali Fissel's been missing. And I think certain players took note of that. I've got to give a special mention to Scott Allardyce as well. I think if we're speaking from the entire season, I think he was their most consistent player. I think another example of how John Robertson can manage to spot a, a really quality player Scored some notable goals as well, but it was his, just his work rate in the midfield of winning the ball back when it was lost and then just playing provider. It just really stood out. Um, and just bringing a, a Scottish player who's maybe forgotten in this country back to people's attention. Yeah, it's all fair points. And Scott Allardyce is another person, Will, that you were talking to earlier on this week. He is talking in this little clip about some of his own personal highlights of the season. Obviously the county game for obvious reasons mm. it was good. Um the Scottish Cup games, um I think showing that we could go toe to toe with the two teams in the premiership, I think that they they, they stood out because I think it, it probably made us realise that if we perform and then we we can compete at, um against them teams. Um so no, in terms of them I obviously beating Ross County for obvious reasons up north is is good but um no, that even this the St. Run game, I know we lost, but um, I think we took a lot, a lot from that. It's maybe slightly difficult for us to come to an agreement on what their match of the season, what their performance of the season was, because we didn't often see the same games. But we did both see that derby win over Ross County. I was there in person, you were watching it on TV. That takes some beating. As, as a performance for 90 minutes, the result, the occasion, what was on the line, that's got to be one of the standouts, doesn't it? As uh, Bobby George uh, used to say at the the World Darts Championships at the Lakeside, they beat him up. Yeah. yeah the the, the scoreline didn't flatter Cali Fissel that night. They were certainly the better team. Um, even though they went behind, the response was just fantastic. And it just showed 
that uh, Cali Fussell have players that are of Premiership standard that can go to top flight clubs and win. It might have done them a bit of harm in the, uh, with Daniel Mackay now off to Hibernian. It was no surprise. I didn't expect Daniel Mackay to stay at Cali Fussell after the performances he put in this season. And with one year left in his contract, Inverness, they had to cash in. It was either that or let him go in a free next season. Um, he's got to be a massive miss because we're speaking about Carson and Allardyce and, and Mackay. There was an argument for him being the best player in the second half of the campaign. Just fantastic on the way, you know, just taking on defenders. Um, the ball was almost like stuck to his feet uh, when he was dribbling uh, from 20, 30 yards. But Cali Fissov got a good deal out of it. Uh, we, haven't, we don't know how much they're actually getting for him, but in a time where we're coming out of the pandemic and for the most of the season, Inverness weren't allowed any fans in the stadium, apart from the times when they were allowed up to 300 during the tier one days. I think it's a good deal. Um, it's just how a bit Cali Fissel go about rebuilding next season now. I can't speak highly enough of Daniel Mackay. I think he would have been right up there, if not my choice for player of the season, taking nothing away from Dave Carson, Scott Allardyce, Nikolai Todorov. Mackay was just so impressive for me and he's been long overdue this opportunity to get a run in the Cali Thistle first team and he's taken it with both hands he's a really level-headed guy when we talk to him you know he's got his head screwed on the right way he can improve so much but he's still only what 20 at this point I think Hibbs is a really good move for him best of luck to him the question now as you kind of alluded to Will becomes where do Cali Thistle go next from this? It's a rebuilding job now um there's still question marks over players' contracts. Nikolai Todorov is one. I've got to take my hat off to Nikolai Todorov as well. I think he's had a great season with the, the amount of goals he's scored. Because last season, I wasn't convinced, but maybe that wasn't fair on him because he was in the shadow of Jordan White, who was the number one striker. But he's proven he can find the net. He pro- he's proven he's a poacher. And by poacher, I mean a compliment because poachers win points. Some of his finishes the last few weeks have been outstanding. Yeah, I mean, the game against Morton in particular, his second goal, anyone that's not seen that, get up on YouTube. It's worth watching. And against Ross County as well, it was an absolute beaut. Is he eyeing up maybe a move to the Premiership? I don't know. He scored against Ross County. He scored a great goal against St Mirren as well. He showed that he can use his height to beat defenders, which not all tall strikers can. Uh, that's, That's a skill. Because you've got to remember, even though you're a tall striker, if you're up against a centre-back, chances are you're likely up against someone the same height as you are. But so it'll be his, he's had a, quite a good success rate of winning balls in the air. So it would be great if Inverness could keep him. Although if he goes, Inverness aren't going to get any money for him. So I, it, it would be worth Cali Fissel keeping this guy for next season because I reckon he could do a job. But it, it's just going to come to, down to who else is interested. And I think other clubs might be interested with the performances he's put in this season. I wouldn't be surprised if someone tried a cheeky bid for David Garson. Even though he's on a three-year deal, I think an English club might think, you know what, he could do a job for us and put in quite a substantial offer. You never know. But as you said as well, congratulations to Daniel Mackay. I didn't think a club like Hibbs would go for him. Nothing against him personally. I just think with Cali Fissel being a mid-table championship team, are Hibs going maybe looking further up the table or looking at England 
you know, League One, League Two players. I mean, Kevin Nisbet hasn't worked out too badly for them. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Nisbet, I should say, came from Dunfermline. I think it was quarter of a million they paid uh, Dunfermline for Kevin Nisbet. Is that a similar sort of price tag Califus will go up for Daniel Mackay? Well, we don't know. It's undisclosed, but delighted for him. He deserves this chance now. He's been described as the next, next Ryan Christie. It's quite big shoes to fill, but he's a premiership player. He'd proven that in the second half of the season. Good luck to you, Daniel. Yeah, it's going to be a big few weeks for Cali Thistle as they deal with all these contracts coming up and potentially bids coming in for other players as well. We'll be keeping right on top of it as all of it unfolds, and I'm sure we'll be discussing plenty more of the Cali Thistle players over the next few weeks as and when deals are announced or players leaving are announced or whatever the case may be. Tell me who your player of the season was at Curly Fissel. Oh, I know. I touched on it with Daniel McKay. I think I probably would have plumped for him. You're locked in on that, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Because yeah. I've said to you outside of the podcast, I think, and as I say, this is taking nothing away from all the other names that we've mentioned, but Daniel McKay with his speed and his directness is really fundamental to the way Cali Thistle have played the second half of this season. It's not just the impact that he's had and how well he's done. It's actually the style of it. You know, he's scored goals on the counter-attack that I don't think anybody else in that team would have scored. So to me, that made him stand out. And it's not just the goals he scored, it's when he scored them, who scored them against. I think he's had a really outstanding season. And, you know, you talk about David Carson missing the start of the campaign. Well, Daniel McKay was there at the very start of the campaign playing pretty well. He had a spell out around about Christmas when everybody came back from injury. But he never really had a, a, a spell where he was out of form. It was just the way things worked out for him that he ended up out of the starting eleven. So for me, I think I'd bump with Mackay. No, no, I agree. I mean, I have very valid points. And if he was named the senior player of the season, I wouldn't argue against it. He wasn't in my top three, but I, he would have been a deserved winner if he won it. Especially this last couple of months, there have been so many guys that have played well. <laughs> There's quite a few to pick from from Cali Thistle this season, which is just quite nice to be able to say in itself. <laughs> no, like I said, those four players, I think any one of them would have deserved to be named Player of the Year. So um, I, was, I was glad it was those four. And like I said, I'm sure we'll be talking about some of the other guys in the Cali Thistle team over the coming weeks and months while there's no matches going on and we'll be dealing with contract renewals, transfer bids, whatever else is going on. So it's not that we're totally forgetting about some of the other guys in the squads. We've just only got so much time in the podcast, basically. And I think it is time, unfortunately, Will, that we move on to talk about Brora. It obviously wasn't the result they would have wanted on Tuesday night. It could have been worse as well from following along with it on social media, seeing two penalties saved. Are they still in this? The only positive from the game was that they were allowed to um, decide things on the pitch. Because for a long, we've waited a long time for a decision if the playoff was going ahead, yes or no. So at least they're, they're going to decide who's the best team after 180 minutes. Unfortunately, at the moment, Kelty Hearts looked uh, a step above Brewer Rangers from the highlights I saw. It was our colleague Alistair Fraser that was at the Brewer on Tuesday night reporting the game for us. But I did see the highlights, albeit it was like six or seven minutes. Very good um, highlights, by the way. Uh, well done to those involved. But you, you looked at that Kelty team as well, and you looked at the players they've got. Nathan Austin, he 
Callum Higginbottom, Thomas Riley, all players that have played at a higher level. I actually thought uh, Nathan Austin was ineligible to play for Kelty Hearts in the playoff uh, after being on loan at East Fife, but obviously I'm wrong. So uh, <laughs> we can't say too much more about that, but Kelty just brought it. There was a question mark over would they be affected by the long distance travelling from Fife to Sutherland? They were the better team. They, they looked a step above. I don't know if nerves got to Brewer Rangers, but to me, they were unrecognisable from the team I've seen previously. Uh, nerves just seemed to get the better of them. The first two penalties Brewer conceded, definitely penalties in my point of view. I think they just panicked at the back. The third penalty that uh, Kelty actually scored, I felt that was a bit harsh on the defender. Um, I don't know if you saw it at all, Hendo, but I don't think he actually touched his hand. But got to give you credit to Joe Mallon. He's kept Brewer Rangers in this. Yes, they got beat up, but it's not the knockout punch yet. I wouldn't rule out Brora pulling it back, but it is a mountain to climb. Well, that was going to be my next question. You're obviously going to be down at the game tomorrow. You still see a way back into this for Brora because it would be quite easy to say a couple of goals down could have been worse. That's the game over. You've got players like uh, Andrew McRae and Jordan McRae in your team. You've got a set-piece specialist in Dale Gillespie as well. If anyone's not seen his goal in the Challenge Cup against Hibernian, uh, YouTube it. It was absolutely sensational. It was Andrea Perlow-like. But they've got attacking options all over the pitch. So they've certainly got uh, the potential to hurt Kelty. But it was so disappointing, the performance on Tuesday night. And Stephen Mackay admitted himself, they just didn't turn up. So a vast improvement is required, but they're going to have to play some attacking football. And Kelty are a very attacking team as well with the players they've got. They could let themselves open to attack, but they can't afford to be defensive-minded now. It's, it could be the final game of the season. It's Beacon City in the playoff final, and we all know what they're like. So there's a very good chance the winner will get promoted to League Two next season. So there's just so much to play for. Can Bruno do it? Yes, but it's going to be very, very hard. Maybe too hard. I'm going to put you on the spot since you're going to be at the match. Will Will Brewer do it? No. And, I, and I, it's a heavy heart, I say that. I just saw the highlights and I just saw Kelty Hearts were just a step above Brewer on Tuesday night. It, that might have just been a one-off. Kelty might have handled the occasion better, but if I base on what I saw on Tuesday night, I think Kelty will have enough to progress to the final and Brewer Rangers will be in the Highland League next season. And that's taken nothing away from it. Brora's a fantastic outfit. It's just they were second best earlier this week. Well, let's move away from football slightly then and on to cycling, which I don't think is something we might have touched on at all over the last couple of months on Balls and Whistles as yet. We're about to break that streak now because Strathpeffer paracyclist Finn Graham has won a gold medal. It's not just that we're back in action we're talking about winning competitions again, which is fantastic. And, well, you managed to get hold of him uh, a couple of days ago. It's not just that he even got this gold medal. He's looking for the Paralympics now. Well, he, he's well in contention to compete at the Paralympics in August. I think it's still on. As far as we know, yeah. Excellent. Great. At the time of recording. But Finn Graham has already proved himself as a world-class para-athlete. Uh, this isn't the first time that he's um, had success in World Cup events. Before the pandemic, he won medals at a World Cup event in Canada as well. This boy's a real deal. 
we're not just talking a world class paracyclist. We're talking about a, a man that could potentially win a gold medal at the Paralympics. You know, Great Britain at the moment seems to be the top paracycling nation. And he led a, a GB123 in Belgium last weekend on the road. But it's not just the road he's going for. He also wants to compete in the velodrome where he's had a bit of success as well. He's competing in Belgium again this weekend and wishing him all the best. But this will only rubber stamp his place in Tokyo as far as I'm concerned. And we've got someone to look forward to reporting on uh, this summer at the Paralympics. Uh, I don't know if the expenses form will go that far for us or if Japan will let us in uh, with the COVID-19 restrictions. Uh, I think it'll be a no to both, to be honest. But uh, This guy's worth checking out. Just watch his performances and see how good this guy is. As far as I'm concerned, he's already on the plane to Tokyo, barring any injury. And fingers crossed that doesn't happen. So what a fantastic story. And it's one I'm looking forward to reporting on in the weeks and months ahead. And one thing you haven't even touched on all that is that he's only 21. It's just crazy that he's so young and so good. I remember, I think Team GB released a preliminary squad or people who were sort of in the mix in contention for a Paralympic spot at the, the Games later this year. He was by far the youngest of the entire lot of them. And the Olympics being pushed back a year, the Paralympics being pushed back a year, might have done so much more good for him than it will have for pretty much anyone else in the field just because he's had that extra year to train, an extra year of experience. It hasn't been too many competitions, but he's still been down in Manchester at the training camp working on his cycling pretty much every day for the last six or seven months. It's a big difference, you would say, in football or in rugby or pretty much any other sport between a 20-year-old and a 21-year-old who's had that extra year of experience. It might just be perfect timing for Finn to go and make an impact on the biggest possible stage. He said that himself. Um, he's used the postponement of the Paralympics effectively just to boost his own ability. And I think that's now showing with the results that he's achieving. There aren't that many races before the Paralympics because of the impact of COVID, but he's certainly making the most of them. And he says he's also been quite fortunate that even during the, the height of the pandemic, they've managed to get access to the velodrome. They can still train outside. So he's made the most of it. And uh, it looks like it's going to pay off. And hopefully we're in a gold medal in Tokyo in August. And uh, we'll put it on the back page. Yeah, best of luck to Finn. We'll be keeping tabs on his progress over the next few months and obviously looking towards the Paralympics as well. I am a little conscious that we don't want this podcast run on too long, so I'll just give a quick mention to Ross Sutherland Rugby Club, who have completed their March into May fundraiser, where the money raised will be split between the My Name's Doddy Foundation and funds for their new clubhouse in Invergarden. Last time I looked, they'd raised over £18,000 which is a fantastic achievement for them. I know there's been a bit of competition between the various different groups, the teams that they were put into as to who got the most miles. They've been posting on their social media about who individually has been the biggest earners. You can go and check that out. We've also got a few pictures and a little write-up about it in today's Rochford Journal. Like I said, I don't want to go on too much about it just purely for time, but it's it's a fantastic effort from across the board over there at the Naval Grounds. Yeah, and fantastic rugby club as well. What is it now? 14 months now since 
Ross Sutherland last played a game, as Something most like rugby that, clubs yeah. have as well. Um, but it just shows you the strength of the club and the community there that uh, they put their efforts elsewhere uh, for good causes and it'll be- benefit the club as well as the good causes. And hopefully it won't be too long before they can get back into action and actually get into their new clubhouse when it gets finished as well. They've been working on that for so long. It'll be great to see that finally open later this year. We're talking about rugby there. That's obviously not back yet, but there has been a couple of other sports that are back on the go. If I go up north to the John O'Groat Journal, well, I'm actually going to have a question for you about this in a minute because you'll probably have more of an idea than I will. But Ray Golf Club hosted the America Cup against Thurso and Wick and won it. Golf, obviously, one of the, the few things that can be back pretty much in full swing at the minute, pun intended. My question, Will, is why is it called the America Cup? I genuinely don't know. I know there's four golf courses in Cave Ness. I want to know where Leibster were. Why did they not take part? Were they invited? That's the question I want to know. What you got against Leibster? I expected you to know having been based up there for so long. I, the America Cup, I don't know. I, I know there's a competition in Fursal called the, the Cider Cup, C-Y-D-E-R. It's a pun in the Ryder Cup, but just for those that don't have any golf knowledge. But no, that one's a, a, a new to me, so I'm going to have to read the John and Grote Journal when it comes out on today to find out all about it, because I'm afraid, ashamed to say that one's escaped me. Well, you and everybody else will definitely be picking up a copy of the John O'Groat Journal today then. If anyone from the Golf Club wants to get in touch and explain why, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that would actually be very much appreciated. And if you do go and read about that in the John O'Groat Journal, well, you can also see about Gary Elder being the fastest of a 34-strong field. We're into autocross now. We talked a little bit about it last week at Tower Hill at Thurso East. Sports coverage in the John O'Groat Journal sounds fantastic. I'm definitely going to read it today. As you should. And if you fancy picking up a copy of the Northern Scot as well, as you might expect, there's plenty of coverage there about Elgin City reaching the playoffs. They're looking to make it third time lucky. They've never won promotion from League Two, but this is their third time entering the playoffs to get up. Hopefully, that'll be third time's the charm for them because they played really well at times this season. Kane Hester has been in phenomenal form, got another couple of goals earlier on this week. Might just be the right sort of time for them, but it is going to be a tough one for them against Edinburgh City in playoff semi final. I believe the first leg of that is tomorrow. I think Craig Christie was on the edge of his seat uh, when I was reading his tweets from the game. Queen's Park uh, brought it back to 3 2 later on, and I think he was starting to think, oh no, here we go again. But uh, fair play to Elgin City, they rode it out, and now they've got a playoff against Edinburgh City. Yeah, they'll beat them. No questions asked. Elgin are going to win. Elgin are going up. And Broad are going, to, are going up as well. Oh, wait, wait no, I'm, I'm contradicting myself. Sorry, yeah, you definitely no. hedged your bets at this point. No, sorry. sorry. I would love to see Broad go up. Well, one last thing from the Northern Scott before we start to wrap up this episode of Balls and Whistles. 35-year-old Simon Allen was talking about retirement, but he has changed his mind, just like you apparently did about Brewer there, Will. He has signed a new one-year deal to play for Forest Mechanics next season. He has talked about the pandemic and the way this last season turned out as being part of the reason for that. He didn't want it to end like that, essentially. So he's going to be going into what I think is his 16th season with the Mighty Cats. One-man club, eh? 
Fantastic. We love stories like that. We love ded- loyalty and dedication to one club. We did stories at the start of the pandemic of footballers actually retiring because of the situation. And you couldn't blame them. It, it, it was hard to stare at. But it's, you know, it's great to see that people don't want to end their careers like this either. And they want to try and keep on playing and play in front of fans and uh, just end the way any footballer w- would want a season to end. So great to hear from him. And uh, wish all Forex mechanics all the best too when they come back next season. They got it right to sit in this season out. So, um, but good luck to them when they come back. Well, I think that's everything I had for this week. Is there anything we haven't talked about that's caught your eye? I enjoyed the picture spread in today's Inverness Courier um, of Inverness Tennis Club and just seeing people getting back involved in sport just to see that it's available to people again, that it's been deprived for so long. People have been forced to stay indoors and not being able to use facilities. And uh, the picture spread, just so many kids and adults enjoying playing tennis again and playing sport and it just being back. It's great to see them embracing it again. You know, I, I hope that uh, soon I'll be able to embrace sport again and I can pull on my speedos and jump in the pool. What a horrible way to end the show. Yeah, that's a mental image for everybody out there listening. You're, of course, talking about the Inverness Tennis and Squash Club Family Fund Day, uh, which was held last weekend. They were limited to, I believe it was 30 people, but they're hoping to hold more of these as the summer goes on. That will be a bit more open, uh, probably a bit more relaxed as restrictions continue to ease. So keep an eye out for that. And of course, if you're interested in playing tennis, squash, table tennis, there's a couple of different things going on down there get in touch with Inverness Tennis and Squash Club I'm sure they will be absolutely delighted to hear from you it's all go it's all go indeed I think then Will that wraps us up for another episode of Balls and Whistles Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show whether that's to ask a question to tell us how wrong we are about our various opinions on sport or just to you know leave a bit of feedback that's not so abusive that would be nice. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at balls underscore whistles or by emailing ballsandwhistles at hnmedia.co.uk. Will is going to be down at Kelty tomorrow for the Pyramid Playoff second leg, so make sure you follow him from updates for there. And of course, check out the latest episodes of our fellow Highland News Media podcast, Health and Lift Ness and Active Outdoors. That's all I have to say. So until we're back next week, thank you for listening. I've been Andrew Henderson. Have a good weekend. Come on, Bruno Rangers. Prove me wrong. Pull off the miracle of New Central Park. <laughs>